Yeah. And she is so back that she's going to share the word today. So, Martha, if you'd come, come on up. I want to thank you all for your prayers because I really feel like the love of God fills me. And um, if I can say this one thing about being that laid down, I, I had shingles for those who didn't know. The Lord stopped me from going anywhere and doing anything. I could do nothing. I had to enter into the rest. And I found out what that meant. And I mean, I've been thanking him because I didn't realize how wonderful it was, how full much we fill ourselves with stuff. And we don't go where we can really be renewed and regenerate. And Keith and I were talking. It's like he's... If you've got time to rest, take it. If you can, and all that's going on, if you've got time to go aside because you can't do all the things you used to do, take it and spend some time with the Lord because he's preparing us. He's preparing us in quietness and in closeness to him for we don't know what, but get there, okay? Thank you very much. Um, I, uh, today I'm going to be talking about uh, letting love lead you or the risk of Jesus and um, it's really the risk of Christmas, so I just want to pray before we begin. Holy Spirit, invite you to come right now and um, move on us today, Lord, and, and let washing happen today, Lord. We've come to be washed by the water of your word, Father, that we will feel like we do after we've taken a great shower, Lord, and feel refreshed, Lord, that people would go home from here today different than when they came, that they would be changed, Lord, by your word, Lord, by what you've given me to share with them would make a difference in their lives that would move them along in their journey and becoming like you, Jesus. Thank you. So Gretchen Abbott, which is our daughter, for those of you who don't know, shared about the risk of Mary to believe the angel and bear the shame that would surely come from an unexplained pregnancy. Pastor Dick taught us the risk of Joseph to marry her, to believe the spirit of his dreams, and most of all, to take the risk and obey him. I'm going to um, read from John 1, 1, and we sang this, so I'm very pleased that Eric picked this song. John 1, 1 uh, through 3 says, In the beginning, before all time, was the word. Christ, and the word was with God, and the word was God himself. Jesus was God. He was present originally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him. And without him, not even one thing that was made has come into being. Is that a powerful scripture? Talking about Jesus. Nothing that is came into being without Jesus. Now, anybody here remember the Doors drama? Some, some of you might. And the father formed the child and then took the child all around and showed the child everything in the universe that he made for that child. Why was this the father's plan? I mean, why did God decide to have people at all, you know? So I asked him. And this is what I felt like the Lord said to me. I wanted children. 
I wanted beings who would share love with me and know the benefits of communion with the supreme being. Now, there's more to, to salvation than just getting saved. He has so much for us, and he wants to share it all with us. Everything, everything he created, everything he made, he wants to share it with us. All that he is, he wants to share with you. And then he wants to continually walk with us in the cool of the day. Let's look at the first risk, okay? What do you think was the greatest risk God took in all of creation? Think hard. Allowing Satan to inhabit the garden with his precious, most magnificent creation? Big risk. Creating man at all. Remember he said, at one point he said, men's hearts are only evil always. He was so disappointed. In the School of Kingdom Ministry, which uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a great class that we're taking. Uh, right now we're discussing our identity. But one of the things that we've been discussing is the fact that Adam and Eve were completely righteous people before they fell into sin. They were whole. You know what? And yet they were tempted by a slithering, manipulating devil whose goal it was to have no man or woman who would worship the Father instead of him. Do you sometimes think that if you'd been a better person, you might not have sinned? Satan was at the beginning a promoter of himself, and he did not love creator, our creator. We don't know how long Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the evening. We do know that they spoke with him and probably saw him and they saw Jesus. They also saw Satan, <coughs> who was described as the most beautiful of the heavenly beings, second only to the Father, an angel of light called the bright morning star in Isaiah 14. They saw him, and they saw the Father. They did not know evil, not yet. They were tempted by Satan, okay? This is what, this is what Satan said about himself in Isaiah 14. It says, and you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of assembly in the utmost north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That was his goal. He was wandering around in the garden. His goal was and is to derail those who are made in the image of God, to derail them from their true identity since he wanted to be supreme. And it was before all, all that was before he was made into a snake who slithered around on his belly in the ground. That's what God did to him after he tempted Adam and Eve. We, when we consider the risks that the father took, we're considering the risk of Jesus that he took. And the thing we have to consider is the big risk of all is free will. He was creator. He could have made us to worship him forever, never a time without our love and our devotion, except that he wants children who will love him, adore him, honor him, because we choose to. The greatest risk, free will. Do you have it? Adam and Eve made a choice, 
to exercise that free will, maybe even innocently, because they didn't know anything about evil. They didn't know. They, they just saw this beautiful person, you know, and, well, we couldn't listen to them. <laughs> Do you, um, does your temptation ever look evil? Do the things that you do that end up being sin, do they look ugly? Is it a guy with a red suit and pointy ears and a flippy tail and a fork? You know, our temptations don't look like that. They look beautiful. They look good. They, they, they draw us. Sin entered in, and we were derailed for a very long season, Okay. No, time doesn't really allow me to, um, you know, go into all that happened between men and Jesus. Um, the flood was God's response to men's uh, hearts are only evil always. And then Moses, his magnificent deliverance from death for the people of God. And it was still not enough to save his beloved creation, you and me. His desire for man to love him as he loves us. And so, we see in scripture, his solution. John 3.16, and you can read it along with me, but everyone should know this. And I'm reading it out of the Amplify because it just really puts it out there. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. Think about what you think the world is. That he even gave up his only begotten, unique son, so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, shall not come to destruction, shall not be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. For God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge the world. He didn't want to reject it. He didn't want to condemn it. He did not want to pass sentence on the world, but that, he might, that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. Safe from the wicked schemes of that devil who hates God and hates us. That was his goal. That the father sent the son, his only begotten son, chosen while still in the father, still at peace, still safe to come as a man. That was a great risk. So in our handbook, are you all reading the handbook? You doing that? This this book? You know what? It's there for you, and, and you really should be reading it. You know what? God has something for you in it, in doing this. Take, take a risk and do it. It's not a big deal, but it will be a big deal in your life. Um, Mary and Joseph had to teach Jesus how to live as a man. Think about this. Consider all the things you had to teach your children, or you had to be taught, about life. Now think about the risk of letting a human, two humans, train up this child, Jesus, in the way he should go. Jesus was a baby like little Evan from heaven. <laughs> Isn't he just the cutest thing? <laughs> I think Evan must mean make me laugh. It's just, it's just the cutest thing. Oops, hope that wasn't him. <laughs> he had to learn the value of obedience. Jesus had to learn all the stuff that we had to learn to prepare his, for his ultimate risk and obey his dear, dear Abba Father. So I'm going to read from the booklet, since I, I don't know whether you did or not, or have been, so I'm going to read, and um, 
It's a little faint, so. In the Christmas story, Jesus is an infant who will grow up parented by Joseph and Mary. How might Jesus' role models have influenced his life of risk? Why have Jesus' followers been taking risks ever since? Do you all take risks? That's you. The purpose of this prompt is to connect you with how Joseph and Mary modeled letting Jesus' love lead them. Let love lead you. And how that love bore fruit in Jesus as the ultimate risk taker. Have you ever thought about how deeply influential the lives of Mary and Joseph must have been to the young Jesus? Growing up like any child does, even though Jesus is both fully God and fully human, we have to believe his parents had some residual impact on Jesus' life, even through risk-taking. With true risk-taking parents, Jesus, the Son of God, shows us the fullness of what it means to take risks when the only safety net is the Father's love for you. Jesus was about to take the biggest risk of his life. He asked for the cup to be taken from him. He asked to be relieved of his duty, if it is at all possible. In the end, Jesus leaps headlong, holding the Father's hand onto the dark road that will lead to the cross. That same road, traveled out of love, will lead through the cross to the resurrection and the beginning of new creation life for us all. So in the prompt in the book, it says that we should read um, a certain set of scriptures. So we're going to read them. We're going to get washed. We're going to take a shower, washed with the water of the word. Um, as uh, The beginning of this is Jesus has just um, uh, celebrated the Last Supper. They've had communion. And, um, so that's where we're at. So Luke 22, verses 39 through 53. <laughs> and he came out and went, as was his habit, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not at all enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but always yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him in spirit. And being in an agony of mind, he prayed all the more earnestly and intently, and his sweat became like great clots of blood dropping down upon the ground. And when he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from grief. And he said to them, why do you sleep? Get up and pray that you may not enter into at all temptation. And while he was still sleeping, behold, there came a crowd. And the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was going before leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the deliverer of the son and deliver up the son of man with a kiss. When those who were around him saw that, that what was about to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the bondservant of the high priest and cut off his ear, the right one. But Jesus said, permit them to go so far as to seize me. And he touched the little insignificant ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to those who had come out against him, the chief priests and captains of the temple and elders of the Sanhedrin, have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber? When I was with you day after day in the temple enclosure, 
You did not stretch forth your hand against me, but this is your hour and the power which darkness gives you has its way. Pre-planned. This is heavy stuff. This is why we celebrate Christmas, because resurrection life is coming. Our final solution to life, death to ourselves and obedience, believing he will catch us when we jump off that cliff. Uh, from my own story, and I'll keep it brief, but it fits in here. I was alone in South Carolina, a thousand miles away from my family, and I had made enough mistakes for us all. And I thought, if I make another one, I'm going to die for sure, and then I'm going to go straight to hell. So I cried out to God, as I knew him. I didn't know him like I do now, but I knew him in a way then, and I cried out then. Help me. I had read about the Holy Spirit. I had been hearing about him all my life. I'd been blessing myself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, every Sunday and every time we ever prayed or did anything. And I read that he would give us power, he would give me, personally me, power over sin. Uh, do you know that you're powerless over sin? Just like Adam and Eve? Just like me? You know what? We were. And some people who are hearing this feel like they are. And you are. But why do you train your children to be like this? Think about that. Do you believe that you can have power over sin? That's what the Lord tells us in his word. If you then, evil as you are, know how to give good gifts, gifts that are to the advantage of your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and continue to ask? He is the one who will bring all scripture to your mind, everything you read in the word, okay? Are you reading the word of God every day? Are you reading this? What a gift it is to us that we have this. Are you reading it to your children? I'm telling you, if you're not, get on it. Get into it. Get there. Go there. Take that time that God is giving a lot of us time these days and be intentional about reading the word of God. So I, would, I really want to encourage you at this point in time in our culture and what's happening all around us to read Ephesians 6. Very powerful. I'm going to read to you uh, a few of the verses. Okay? In conclusion, I'm starting in the 10th verse. In Ephesians 6. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord, empowered through your union with him. Empowered. He's, he's in you. You're one with him. He's here. He's in you. He's with you. Be empowered by that. Draw your strength from him. That strength which his boundless might provides. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy armed soldier which God supplies that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of that devil. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness. Are we in darkness? Are we living in a dark time? We have some tool here 
We have a weapon, folks. Against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger and having done all the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Stand therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity and of moral rectitude and right standing with God. You have that. He's in you. That's what he's giving you. You have so much. Grab a hold of that. Find out what it looks like, what it feels like, where it is. And having shod your feet with prepara in preparation to face the enemy with a firm-footed stability, the promptness, the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Lift up over all, covering the sh uh, shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, sword the spirit wields, which is the word of God. You got it. It's your weapon. Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. So, be purposeful. Be intentional. Be aware of the reality of life on this earth. You know, you, you know, we have our thoughts about what we think it ought to be, but look at what it is. Look where you are. Look where our country is. Look where our world is. Be aware and, and be purposeful and intentional about what's going on in you. Uh, you know, have you received uh, that the Father has given you faith? You don't understand that? That he will catch you if you jump off that cliff? That he will rescue you and save you from yourself and that slippery, stinking devil who's tricked you into thinking that you can't make it? And you know what? There are people who think they can't make it. We've had news. Of people who didn't make that. They didn't know. Some of your friends don't know. They can make it. There's a way. And he has given you faith. You know what? Even though um, I thought I knew I was going to die, and I, I had to ask. The only thing I knew to do was ask God. But how? Nothing fancy. Just help. And I cried out, and I cried out for help. I thought it was me crying out, you know, and it, and it was. But the Father had given me a gift of faith. Everyone is given a measure of faith. That's what it says in the word. And it's spelled R-I-S-K, risk. Faith to try. Faith to ask, to dare to ask. Faith to do or die doing. I'm I was going to die anyways. That's what I knew. Uh, are you all going to die? We're all going to die. One way or another, we're all going to die. Might as well die doing what God said to do, asking. 
So I'm going to read a, a little bit more out of Ephesians. Um, I'm reading um, Ephesians 2, 5 through 10. Even when, when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, that's where I was. He made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life which he quickened him to it. For it's by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve. I didn't deserve him. That you are saved, you're delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly spirit. We're with him by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. He did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace. Hey, his unmerited favor, none of us deserve it. Of his kindness and his goodness of heart towards us in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a scripture everybody quotes, okay, it's at the end of this. For it is by the free grace, God's unmerited favor, that we are saved delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves. You cannot do this. It's not your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but as a Christmas gift. Pretty astounding pretty astounding. We all have to experience it. Every one of us, everyone who hasn't has to, everyone who has, has. <laughs> this is what happened for you. Remember how precious it was. Remember how important it was to you in your life now as compared to where, what it was. So I'm, I'm going to give a call right here, okay? Um, would you like to exercise this Christmas present today? He already gave it to you. Want to unwrap it and receive some strength, power over sin, ultimate hope and love? Take a risk right now and repeat after me. And you know, doesn't matter if you've already done it. Jesus, I believe somewhere in my heart you have given me faith for what I ask you to come. Forgive me for my sins. Give me your Holy Spirit that I might have strength to live as you teach me. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, giver of life. Give us what we need at this time. This will all pass. We don't know what it will be like, but right now, the world needs you. You need him. You're hearing this word. You need him. Cry out to him. You have faith. It was given to you. I'm asking for a new release of faith. Do you already have asked him into your heart?
if you already have acknowledged him as God and Lord of your life. Ask for a new release to kick it up. Get into the word and find out what he's saying. And Lord, I want to just pray. Holy Spirit, bring life into the darkness of this day. There is so much swirling around us. You are our only hope here today. I pray for everyone who heard these words will be renewed in their Christmas gift of faith. Faith to believe you love us, forgive us, and will keep us until that day when you return. And we will walk with you in the cool of the day for eternity. Thank you.